Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, good morning, Thrive. So good to see you this morning. So good. Have a seat. If you're under the age of 18, can you give me a shout? Oh, man, there's so many of you guys. Look at your amazing faces. I was thinking, some of you guys, I don't even know properly yet. I don't even know your name. So I'm Jared. You're, the youth crew on Sunday morning just keeps growing and growing. At some point, we'll, um, I'm going to talk to Mitch and Liz. We'll see if we can do like a barbecue out at my house so I can get to know you. And um, that'll be good times. We'll burn something. We'll, we'll shoot some targets and things like that. It'll be good times. And we'll braid each other's hair even, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> wow. Hey, uh, Church, my name's Jared, one of the pastors here at Thrive. If you haven't met me, um, I'm a whole lot of fun. Is anybody hungry this morning? Oh, way down at the back. I'm going to test my arm. Oh! All right, let's try one more, try one more, try one more. Okay, I'm on this side of the room. John Spencer. Oh, okay, if you stand up because there's people that have, like, nice faces in front of yours. Oh, and I hit them. Okay, this one time I was in a church. Not this church, one of the... I'm going to talk to his life group leader. I was in this church and a guy threw a... You know, they do, you know back in the... We used to do like the birthday treats. Oh, he's had a birthday. Woo! And this guy throws a, a moro, total wild throw, hits one of the tube lightings. It explodes, a glass showers down, and he just goes, ha! <laughs> but the person it landed on was one of those people who, they were just right on the edge of, they had a couple, like, just bad moments, and they're like, should I stay in this church, should I leave? And it landed on them, and he just laughed, and then they left. <laughs> oh. So the moral of the story is, get better lighting systems. Oh, there we go. Hey, um... I have a cake up here because, oh my goodness, yesterday, I should start my timer. All those last two minutes, they were free. Yesterday was Debbie Fraser's birthday. You were like, you're amazing, Debbie. One of the things that I really like about Debbie is that she's just consistently nice. If you notice, she's just like always nice. Other people, myself at the top of the list, have really nice days and then alternative days. But, but she's just consistently nice. Debbie's want to say, I love you. I think you're amazing. I love how consistently strong and gentle you are and how powerful you are with grace. It's awesome having you as my senior pastor. And uh, today, in, in honor of Debbie's birthday, I, I want to share a couple stories about cake and bread and things. I didn't have bread in the first service, and I'm talking a little bit about yeast. And people were like, you know you can't bake a cake with yeast in the first service. And then I went to Luke, who's a baker, and he told me that you can bake a cake with yeast. And there's a special type of cake that can be baked with yeast. So if this is on podcast to all our 9 a.m. people, I love you and you are wrong. And on technicality, I was right. I just didn't know it. Okay, so 
in light of all of that, clearly, I'm talking about yeast today for a little bit. You know, what's yeast got to do with the Bible? I'll tell you. Um, but I don't know very much about baking, as it turns out. Uh, I know a lot about cooking. I love cooking. And my dad taught me how to cook. And by the age of about eight, I was cooking the meals for our family. And I just love all of those things. I actually had a friend once who made me a birthday cake. Now, I'm not a sweet person. I'm a meat person, okay? And so knowing me well, they baked me a cake, but they just made me meatloaf. And then they got mashed potato, and they iced it with mashed potato, and then they wrote happy birthday on it with tomato sauce. Like, oh, how good is that? There's like good friendship right there. But like, I'm going to tell you a couple cake stories, just if you don't know me, to help you get to like me through my failings, okay? Okay, so I made a cake once for my dad, and I grew up in a Dutch family, and in a Dutch family, um, unlike Debbie, we're just not always nice. We just are always just like, you know, this is how it is. And so... I, I made my cake, I made my dad a cake as a gift, and it was burnt at the top, and it was burnt at the bottom, and it was runny in the middle, okay? So I'm, I'm like 12. I put my heart and soul into this cake, and I present it to him, the only, you know, second or third time I've ever baked in my life, for my dad, who is my hero. And he takes a bite of the cake, he just goes, in the full Dutchness of truth, just goes, oh, this is disgusting disgusting, and just like pushed it away, and I was like, oh. and I know that he got in trouble with my mum, because the next day I got up, and there was an apology letter at my door, he wrote, I'm sorry, which I just, in my house, if you get an apology letter, it's because mum's told on you, <laughs> and like growing up, I didn't know how to read or write very well until I started getting in trouble, and we had to write apology letters to everybody all the time, and now I'm fluent in like 18 different languages, you know. That's so true. That's not true. That was a straight out lie. Um, but we would just have to write apology letters all the time. I see, so, you know, I'm not a great baker, but I don't want failure to deter me from failing again. Because, you know, statistically at some point, accidentally, I'm going to get it right. And so I made another cake with my brother and my sister and myself. I was included. That's always helpful if you're in the story. And it was for my mom's birthday. And it wasn't burnt at the bottom. It wasn't burnt at the top. It was cooked to perfection. On the outside, it had everything that a cake should have. It had a shape. It didn't have icing on it because, you know, that's a lot of effort. We just made the cake. We gave mum the cake. We're like, mum, you art amazing. Behold our masterpiece. It looked nothing like this. But imagine this and take away 85% of its potential, and that was the cake. Okay, you got me? So my mum, knowing the talent that was her children got the biggest knife there was. And in there, because, you know, mums are the type of people that if it tastes like garbage, they're still going to be like, mmm, so nice. My brother used to make my mum cups of tea, but he didn't want to burn himself, so he would just make it with cold water. <laughs> and then and my dad would be like, is it good, mum? And she'd be like, uh-huh. And then he'd just, like, drink it. And that's what mum's like. Dad was like, rubbish. I'm adopting you out. <laughs> And so mum like goes to cut it with this, like, uh-huh, but the knife handle breaks off because the cake was like rock and physically couldn't hit that. The blade breaks off the handle. So I am not good with cakes. So I want you to bear this in mind as we open up the Word of God today and we look at the moment at a great lesson on baking from Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. 
Jesus is hanging out with the multitudes and he's telling them all stories to help them get an understanding of how heaven works. And this is what he said. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman uses to make bread. Even though she puts only a little bit of yeast in a whole lot of flour, it permeates every part of the dough. Now, this is a really interesting thing. So what he's saying is, is a couple of things. It doesn't take much of heaven in an environment to see the whole environment rise. You can have a whole lot of hurt, a whole lot of dysfunction, a whole lot of disappointment, a whole lot of brokenness, a whole lot of anger, a whole lot of regret, a whole lot of addiction. You can just have a whole lot of ugh. But if I just get a little bit of heaven and I begin to sprinkle it on there, and then I mix it in, given a little bit of time, that entire area that is just feeling deflated and flat and broken is going to begin to rise. He's like, that is how powerful heaven is. It only takes a little bit of heaven and a whole lot of earth to see transformation take place. Now, as we study the Bible, we go, well, this is great because we love to pray, Jesus, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's how he taught us to pray. So we, we love that whole thing. But if you look at the Bible and then you look in the mirror, you'll begin to see a correlation of what heaven is and God's strategy is for earth. Because the Bible says you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. It says that you are actually seated in heavenly places and that you have the mind of Christ, that you're the head and not the tail, and that you're more than a conqueror. And then Paul even goes to say, well, that's so polite. Paul even goes to say that you're, you are ambassadors of heaven. Given a ministry of reconciliation of the Father's heart to orphans to say, there's a dad who loves you, let me introduce you. It is my job to reconcile the lost children to the loving Father. I'm an ambassador of heaven. Now, about 30 or 40 years or so, give or take, um, before the time of Jesus on the earth, there was a king. And this king was on a campaign to invade another kingdom. He was evading a kingdom that wasn't Roman, and he himself wasn't Roman. But Rome heard about it, and being Rome, they're like, well, this doesn't fit with our strategy for world conquest. So they sent an ambassador, a Roman ambassador, who goes to this king and says, hey, king, Caesar isn't happy with your battle plans. I need you to pack up your whole army and get out and go home. This doesn't suit what Rome wants to do. And the king is talking to this ambassador and goes, well, Tell you what I'll do. Basically, I'm going to confer with my generals, have a bit of a plan, and we'll consider what we do. And the ambassador takes his staff and draws a circle in the dirt around the king and says, you will give me your answer before I permit you to leave this circle. And he does this in front of the king's whole, you know, top dogs and everything like that because he knows as an ambassador, even though he doesn't have an army right behind him, even though he doesn't have the whole weight of the Roman Empire with him, the fact that he is the ambassador, he represents the whole might and power of Rome, and he can pretty much do whatever he wants. And so this king has to concede and yield to the power of Rome and alter the plans of his entire kingdom because of the ambassador's instructions. And so bearing that in mind as ambassadors of heaven, that when you come into scenarios where there's hurt, where there's sickness, where there's addiction, even though you may not feel entirely qualified as a surgeon, as a doctor, as a psychologist, or whatever it is, the situation that you find yourself in, simply because you're an ambassador of heaven, 
you can cause the entire situation to shift and to change because you are the yeast of heaven. You're the yeast that goes into an environment and causes the entire thing to change. Real practically, we're going to check out a video of, who knows Ruby Smith? Anyone know Ruby Smith? Oh my gosh, you do! We, we also know her too, just so you know. We're cool on this side of the room. We also pay taxes. Okay, we're going to check out the big screen and check out this video. Hey guys, my name's Ruby and I'm going to share a little testimony with you. So a few months ago, um, Michaela invited me to an outreach. And um, first of all, I was like, oh, nah, because I'd be a bit tired from the all-night party. Um, but then she told me that Dylan Long was leading it. And um, a few nights ago, I had watched a video about him and had a dream about him. So I figured that um, it was God telling me that I should go. So I went and um, we were handing out invitations to um, Freedom 316, which was an event that happened that night too. Um, and we were in the warehouse and God gave me an image of like Birkenstock sandals. So um, I was looking around for someone wearing those sandals and in the clothing section in the warehouse there was a lady wearing those sandals. Um, so I went up to her and I told her that Jesus loved her and she asked, well, if you're a Christian, do you pray for people? And I was like, well, yeah. So I asked her if she had any pain in her body and she said she had um, a really bad earache for the past couple of days. So I prayed for her and first of all, she was like, oh, it doesn't feel any different. It's just a little bit hot. So I prayed for her again and she was healed. Um, she walked away looking a little bit shocked, um, so I didn't get the chance to give her an invite, but um, what counts is that I stepped down in faith, and um, I just want to encourage you guys that when you step out in faith and use that boldness that God has given you, it will, um, it will be replaced with um, God's blessing. How cool is that? Oh, come on, Ruby. I love, I, love, I love stories like Ruby's story because she could have easily just stayed at home. Just could have had a normal day. But the only thing that altered in her day is that she made a conscious decision. I want to be a part of someone's story. It's changing. She made the conscious choice. I could choose to just do my own thing or I could choose to be a part of what God's doing. I'm going to see somebody's life change. So much about being the yeast of heaven that sees an entire thing change. It's simply making the conscious decision, I'm going to do this. It starts with that conscious thought of, I'm going to be a part of doing this. And partly I want to share this, this, this word today because I had, a, I had kind of a disturbing dream. And I dream a lot, and most of the time it's because I ate too much pizza or cheese or whatever. Um, but inherently, there are these ones that get through, and they just kind of like, they seem different, and they kind of seem like a God dream. They're just a little bit more clear. And I had this dream about three weeks ago. And in the dream, I'm standing here in church just like this, and I'm preaching away. And this guy comes in to the back of the room. And I think from reflecting on the dream, I actually think that he was like an angel. And I'm preaching away. And then at the back of the room, he goes, hey, hey, what do you think you're doing? And I'm like, well, it's kind of disruptive. And I go, I'm, um, you, know, you can see what I'm doing. He's like, what do you think you're doing? I go, I'm, I'm, 
I'm preaching. And he goes, hey, what are you doing? You're, you were called to be a preacher. What do you think you're doing? I go, what, what do you mean what I think I'm doing? Uh, yeah, I'm called to be a preacher. I'm preaching. He goes, ah, oh, do you actually think this counts? And I'm like, I thought I did. <laughs> Is this a trick question? <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? He goes, this, this only counts for about 5% of what you're called to do. And you're called to preach on every street, in every village, in every town square, in any city that you ever get seen around the world. And it kind of dis it's disturbed me, the dream, for a couple reasons. One, because I put a lot of my time and my life and my effort into preaching. You know, I, I love, I love the, you know, the Bible says, you know, when the saints gather together, I love this. This is like, this is like the coming together where, where inspiration and faith and freedom and power just flows. This is so vital to the functioning of, of a healthy bride of Christ. But then for someone to tell me that what I'm doing and I'm investing like 90% of my effort and my energy to accounts to 5% of what I'm meant to be expressing kind of disturbed me. And I was chatting with Gary, um, who, who's a great English guy. He loves the fact that England won. That's fine, whatever. Um, I was chatting to him. And as we were talking, it occurred to me. I hadn't seen this until mid-service. You know, the latest census has come out and reckons that, you know, about 5% of New Zealand is Christian. And so if all I do is preach and hear, it's not about that, you know, only 5% of my time should be this. I'm just only reaching 5% of the population that need it. You know, and we're not called to God. wasn't like, you know what? I'm going to die on the cross, conquer sin and death, give you authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons so that you can wonderfully reach and love 5% of the world. You know, it's just, it's not about that. But if 95% of the world isn't coming into Thrive, then we have a strategic problem if 95% of our preachings only happening in the walls of Thrive. Now, I, I want to share a couple things with you, okay? This is a box of Edmund's dry yeast. It's amazing. And for my purposes right now, this represents Thrive Sunday morning, okay? Now, what I love about Thrive Sunday morning, and like, I gotta tell you, I've been coming to church since before I was born. You could probably count on one hand the amount of Sundays that I have not been in a church service. I've been a pastor here for about nine years, and I just eat, live, and breathe the Christians coming together to hear the Word of God, to worship God, to lift them up. I love all of that. Cut me, that's what I believe. But, but check this out. This is, this is Thrive. And in here, we've got a whole lot of these dudes. These are we happy sachets of yeast. And what happens, this is what happens, in case you didn't know, okay, this is what happens from a good theological point of view on a Sunday morning. The Bible would describe this as a yeast party. Okay, now what happens is you come in and there's the band, they're all like, woo, and so you kind of, huh, huh, and then they're like, bam, bam, and you're like, oh, you start to rise, feel a little bit happier. Then one of the pastors gets up and they start to say, you know, God's got a great plan for you. God loves you. Holy Spirit wants to fill you. All these incredible truths and your spirit starts stirring around and you go, yeah, it's called a yeast party. And what happens is, is a whole lot of these yeast sachets get together 
and they come in these four walls into this beautiful UE box and they have a yeast party and they go, I'm yeast, you're yeast, you're such good yeast. And you go, I'm, I don't feel like I'm yeast today. I feel like I'm citric acid or, 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 or maybe some leftover baking soda. You know, go, no, you're not, you're not there. Come up the front, I'm going to pray for you, Holy Spirit. And they go, mm, and they go away going, I'm yeast. You know, it's a yeast party. That's what happens, okay? That's what happens. Now, i got to tell you, as a leader in the church, if we're putting a lot of effort into the yeast party, and then the yeast party goes, whoo, and they hop back out, and they go, do, 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 and then they go, you know what? I'm going to do something good for Jesus, and they come across a part of the community that just needs to rise, and the, the yeast is still in the wee sachet. You're like this, you're the inside the sachet, but you, you know what happens is we get this wonderful thing called fear. And it likes to package us up, likes to hold us really neat, because if we get out of it, we might offend somebody. We might ruffle a few feathers. You know, I love to put things up on Facebook, and then I just laugh at the people who get really angry at me. I'm like, it's funny, because they put so much effort into the aggressive reply, and I'm laughing because they think that I care. Um, people send me these eloquent private messages illustrating to me why I am wrong and why somebody who has this gender can choose what gender they want and why I'm wrong and disagreeing and have these brilliant replies. And they, they spend so much time and I'm not even reading it. Because <laughs> they're wrong. I was like, I just need you to know that God loves you. It's okay that you disagree with me. He loves you. He wants to change your life. But we live in a society at the moment where we can start to feel really intimidated really easily by our Christian viewpoints, by what the Bible holds true. We can, we can feel really intimidated that, that we would say, you know what, an unborn baby has incredible value and it is precious in the kingdom of heaven and we need to protect it. You know, the, the world at the moment would say, you know, an, an elderly person, their life doesn't have as much value anymore. So it's okay to explore other means for them reaching their final days. And we go, no, that's not okay. We would have a small child who, who like, just like, that. just being a kid and going, you know what, you could be a boy, you could be a girl, you could be an astronaut, you could be Daffy Duck, you know. <laughs> have emotional health. There we go. You know, we can get this intimidation coming around us and it likes to package us up. Even though we go have our wee yeast party, we can walk out the door and we still have this nice little thing hemming us in called fear. But the Bible says that it only takes a little bit of yeast, just a little bit to get out, to begin to mix in to everything that is just feeling flat. And all of a sudden, its potential and its destiny changes and it starts to rise. I want to encourage you. You might feel like, you know what, Jared? I feel like at the end of this message, you're going to be like, let's rip the lid off and tear the yeast out. I'm not ready for that. What about just a little wee snip? Just a little bit. And Jesus loves you. <laughs> Just a little bit. You know, it's on. Just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Yeah. Don't watch the remake. It was terrible. Watch the original. Save yourself. Okay? <laughs> Just a little bit of yeast makes the whole world rise. You might not be ready for like a, wow, let's go. What about just a little snip? Just a little bit of yeast into your workplace. Just a little bit of yeast into your school. Just a little bit of yeast with your friend groups. And just begin to see 
things begin to rise. Now, see, for me, I don't struggle too much with the fear of what people think of me. People have offered their opinions of me my entire life. And I developed a great saying when I was about seven, seven or eight years old. People would come up to me and go, you know, you're really weird. You're, they'd say to me, you're kind of mental. Do you have mental issues? I get that all the time. And I'd say, well, you know what? These kids are like, what? I'm going, well, I'm a Jared. And they're like, uh-huh. I'm about to confirm the hypothesis of me. And I go, well, the thing with being a Jared is Jareds just don't care. And then I'll just walk off in my own happy wee world. I just figured if people didn't like me, that they had an issue they hadn't been diagnosed. And I would literally be like, it's so sad for them because I'm so amazing. They're missing out on all of this personality, and I have enough to share with everyone. But this is, this is where I actually get afraid. This is where fear generally likes to grip me. I don't mind looking stupid. I don't mind people thinking, that guy's an idiot. It doesn't, it does not, I'm pretty well desensitized to that. I generally also don't mind just making mistakes. I've said I'm sorry authentically so many times that now I feel like I can be authentically sorry with not even feeling that bad. <laughs> I'm so used to being wrong. But where fear gets me is I don't want to make Jesus look stupid. You know, I just don't want to make my glorious king be like, oh, why did we make him like this? <laughs> Holy Spirit's like, I told you to pay attention when you were mixing it in. You were just like, yeast, 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 yeast. <laughs> Do you know how many people ask me if I'm on drugs? That's the most common thing I get asked. I've had Christians ask me and they know I'm a pastor. Do you realize, oh, oh, this is the two things people say to me. Do you realize that when Holy Spirit's moving, that you just have your eyes closed the whole time when you're talking? And then the other thing they say is, do you realize that when Holy Spirit's moving, your eyes are like popping out of your head? I'm like, come on, be consistent with your feedback humanity. But I don't want to make Jesus look stupid. And the biggest thing is, I don't want someone who's like five steps away from meeting Jesus and they have an interaction with me and I'm like, have some yeast and Jesus loves you and this and that. And now at the end of my interaction with them, they're like seven steps away from meeting Jesus. That's my fear. And I, I thought about it a lot because it seems kind of spiritual. It seems almost a little bit righteous because it's because I love them so much. I don't want to share with them because I could just screw it up so much. And because I love Jesus so much, I don't want to run the risk of misrepresenting him, so I'll just represent nothing. And at the end of the day, no matter how well you try to package up fear, it's still fear. And no matter how well you try and word yourself around it, it's still keeping the yeast of heaven, which is the authentic representation of Christ in you to the world, wrapped up and contained. And then I had this thought a wee while ago. We're hanging out with the intermediates. Man, they're cool. Jesus got crucified butt naked. Like completely naked, his beard ripped out, blood pouring off him, 100% naked, lifted up for the whole world to see. And it occurred to me, Jesus was 100% motivated by love. And I've had multiple nightmares about turning up to places and I forgot my clothes. Everybody's had one of those dreams at least once or twice. And it's occurred to me, Jesus is way past worrying about looking stupid. 
He's way, he's way past that. You, you don't hang on a cross bleeding to death, completely naked in front of friends, family, and enemies and have not moved past whether you care what people think. He's not concerned whether you make him look bad. I don't believe that Jesus has any worry about you embarrassing him or decrediting his name. He's not worried about that. He, he is more than able to take what you do and be able to turn it around and make it work. And you don't need a great plan to, to be the yeast of the world. You, you don't need a great strategy. You don't need great insight. You don't, need, you, know, you don't even need a whole lot of time. You might think, well, you know what, Chad, I'm really time poor, and I've got this mortgage, and I've got this job, and I've got these kids, and I've got this, 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 and this. I just don't have a lot of time. It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of perspective. If you were to look at the time that you have and you compare that to eternity, it would cause a sense of urgency in your current time placement. And I'm not saying that you go now and you spend an hour each day on the street corner preaching. I'm just saying that when you're in your trade truck and you're talking to a client, how about you let that person know that God loves them? How about when you're sitting in your classroom and, and, and you're next to that other person that you know, but they don't really know you or how much you love Jesus. You say, you know what? I love Jesus and Jesus has totally touched my life. If you ever need anything, I would love to help you. So I had that dream, like I was saying, it began to unsettle me. So this week I thought I need to do something because anything is better than nothing. It's been feeling like this monkey on my back. So I got a tiny wee barbecue. I just went down to the skate park on Friday and just started cooking up sausages and giving them to the kids and the parents and the teenagers at the skate park going, hey, Jesus loves you. I'd be like, hey, guys, who wants free food? Great strategy, free stuff, you know. And all these people gather around and go, i got some food for you just real quick, just for 30 seconds. I want to tell you something. I'll tell them that God loves them. i tell them how Jesus has changed my life. And I say, you know what? If you ever want to come into church or anything like that, this is where we are. Anyone needs prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Had this lady came up to me. She'd be, I don't know, adult age. <laughs> it gets real dicey territory, eh? Um, and she says, hey, I'm not a Christian. And you're never going to convert me. <laughs> like a red flag to bull. Hello. But she, she goes, but this is my son. He's five. And he's been going to a Christian preschool, even though we're not religious. He loves it. And as a mom, because he's excited about it, I just want to help him. How can I, how can I help my son when I don't, I don't believe in Jesus, but he loves it? How can I help him? So I was like, hey, you want to hear about this real cool yeast party? <laughs> Don't ever say that. I didn't say that. I was like, well, I go to this really cool church, and we have these amazing kids programs. In fact, we've got a new kid building that's about to launch. It's got rock climbing walls. It's got soccer fields. It's got art. It's got everything. He's like, this is amazing. I said, what even? Check this out. You can bring your kid in. We'll look after him. You don't even have to go to the church service. You can just go out for coffee if you want to. We'll just love you. I said, our purpose as a church is to let the community know that they're loved and to love them in action. She goes, that's amazing. And I'm having this conversation. It finishes up. And then the Harris family arrives. And this kid sees Kerry Harris, runs over because Kerry Harris happens to be this kid's preschool teacher. 
And the mum sees, and they have this big conversation, and Kira gets to spend the next 10, 15 minutes just hanging out with this mum, just sharing with her. Now, it's not that much of a clever idea. I'm just going to give sausages to people and say, hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, here's a sausage. Jesus loves you. Hey, Jesus loves you. But if you just give God a little bit of yeast, you say, God, can, we, can you help me just work this in? I just want to give you the opportunity that something would rise. Can we get the band up? That would be fantastic. See, I love the yeast party. I am all for the yeast party. But here's the thing. If all you do is have a yeast party, I got to tell you, I've been there and I've done it. After a while, it will get boring. It doesn't matter how annoying the worship team is. If all you do is come to church on Sunday and then maybe give something the offering, it will get stale. It just gets boring. Life just gets boring. I'm not saying that the service gets boring. I'm not saying the pastors get boring. I'm saying that your life, it gets boring. I have had big chunks of life just being boring. And here's the reason why. Because we're the yeast. And if we don't work our way into the dough, if we don't infuse the nature of Christ in us into the problems and the challenges and the brokenness around us, we don't actually get to find the expression to our purpose. We don't get to give meaning to the gifts of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And there's only so long that you can be yeast and not be pouring out the love of Christ that you actually begin to lose appreciation for the love of Christ for yourself. You know, when, when you get to hold a, a brand new baby and it kind of like, you just feel that a little bit, I just want to have kids again. When you lead someone to Christ and you, you see that first love fresh in their eyes as they encounter the Holy Spirit for the very first time or they speak in a heavenly language for the very first time or they experience healing for the very first time, you go, man, he's wonderful. I've seen it afresh through this person's experience. Oh, this excites me. It rejuvenates me. It gets me out of bed in the morning. I want to see a broken world rise. And the, and, and the devil just wants to wrap you up in fear and go, when the world's against you, the world's anti, the world is this. I'll tell you this story. In the book of Acts, at the very end, Paul has finally arrived in Rome to preach the gospel there and to present his case to Caesar before finally being beheaded. He summons all the Jewish leaders in Rome. He says, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And they replied to him, we have heard countless negative reports about Christianity. We have heard around how it is negatively impacting the entire world. And they have only heard bad things from people that were into the Spirit of Christ. And they had heard countless lies upon lies upon lies upon lies. Their minds had been conditioned that Christianity was bad. He says, I want to tell you about it. And they said, we've heard this, 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 and this, and this. It sounds fascinating. Tell us about Jesus. You know, there's no such thing as bad press. And so they gathered together to hear the most controversial, despised topic in the world. And many were brought to Jesus. Don't let the devil fool you. Don't let the world shape 
who you are. Begin this week to just begin to break through some of that fear, whether it's fear of what people will think of you or fear of whether you're going to misrepresent Christ. It doesn't matter. It's just fear. And the perfect love of God will cast out fear. And you don't need a clever idea. You don't need a clever strategy. You don't need the right words and this and that. I'll tell you why you don't need it. Yeast does not go into the bread. And they go, all right, guys, what are we going to do? You're going to see this corner rise, and you're going to see this corner rise, and I'm going to help the white fluffy bit in the middle, and you're a great administrator, so you can take notes and file a GST report at the end. It's just, it's just yeast. It's just in there, so everything begins to rise around it. And this is why, this is why you don't need a great strategy. And I am convinced of this. I love strategies. I love run sheets. I love all those things. I even have run sheets when I take Rowena out on a date so I can optimize our babysitting time. I kid you not. I am the world's worst at being like, we must stick the time. We've got to have a plan and this and that. You don't need a great plan because you're God's plan. You are the great plan. You are the great strategy. Because there's a Christ in you is the hope of the world. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 